Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, August 25th, 2023 edition of On Iowa Politics. On the podcast this week, we discuss the first Republican presidential debate and the first new Iowa poll of this caucus campaign. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette and Cedar Rapids. With me this week are Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Barton. Hello, Tom. Hello, Aaron. Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times is back with us. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Aaron. We have Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal. Greetings, Jared. Aaron, I would never be accused of sounding like a chat GPT. <laughs> That's true. You are many things, but not AI. Lastly, we have Todd Dorman with us. Hello, Todd. Hello. All right. First up this week, we're going to chat about the first Republican presidential primary debate. It took place on Wednesday night in Milwaukee, which is the site of next year's Republican convention. And by the way, I heard some cheers that during that debate that are usually reserved at Pfizer Forum for Yandis Attendakumpo. Instead, they were for Vivek Ramaswamy uh, last night. Uh, but the debate featured most of the major presidential candidates with one significant exception, of course, former President Donald Trump. It was an eventful debate, uh, and rather than me driving the discussion with questions, I'd, I'd like to just kind of get everyone here's thoughts. And, uh, and I made this decision to go in this format, I swear, not at all because I was in a hurry to get this podcast script out to my colleagues here this morning. It's genuinely for purely discussion reasons, honest to God. <laughs> okay. So let's go around the horn. Uh, Tom, when you tuned in last night, what were some things that uh, stood out to you? Some big moments. Uh, I hate this word, but I'll, I'll leave it open. Were there any winners and losers in the debate? Um, I mean, I, I hesitate to, to say, you know, who's a winner and, and, and who's a loser. But you definitely did have candidates who... Um, you know, gave better performances than some others on the stage and um, did what they needed to do to um, energize their group of supporters um, and to um, get noticed by um, some Republican primary voters who are probably, um, you know, just now starting to pay attention to the race, to the candidates and the issues. Um but uh, here are just some of the things that, that stood out to me that I jotted down as I was watching the debate. Um, and this is in no particular order. Um, Nikki Haley, um, is she going to get a second look? You know, she gave kind of the best performance as an establishment candidate on the stage. Um, the aid to Ukraine conversation may not be po popular with the GOP base, um, but it does give candidates with actual diplomatic experience a chance to show their foreign policy bona fides. And I think Pence and Haley both tried to capitalize there. Um, Haley, I think, arguably delivered one of the most memorable lines of the night, attacking Ramaswamy on his position on Ukraine, accusing him of supporting supporting America's foreign adversaries and abandoning its friends. Um, Haley, uh, the, the exchange with between Haley and Ramaswamy, Haley said, you're choosing a murderer over a pro-American country. Um, you would make America less safe. You have no foreign poly policy experience, and it shows um, Haley told Ramaswamy, earning big applause. Um, you know, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie showed that he's a skilled debater, but seems like he really failed to connect with the Republican electorate. Um, he went full anti-Trump and got booed for it. Um, you know, he arguably had a breakout moment when he refused to raise his hand to say that he would support Trump as the party's choice um, if 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 Trump is convicted. 
Um, you know, Christie pushed on regardless, pausing many times as the crowd booed as he outlined why he believes Trump cannot be president again. Um, he also landed a punch on Ramaswamy, painting him as a political lightweight. He also had, you know, probably one of the biggest uh, or most memorable lines from the night, um, saying that um, I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like chat GPT. Uh, Christie <laughs> said, calling Ramaswamy an amateur. Um, uh, Christie then compared uh, Ramaswamy unfavorably to uh, former President Barack Obama, noting he used a similar line about being a, quote, skinny guy with an odd last name. Um, and then so I guess that that takes me to Ramaswamy. You know, he succeeded in turning himself into the main character of the debate. Um, he commanded the most attacks in the debate, um, you know, but he was at the center of uh, key clashes over um, funding for, your, for Ukraine, which he doesn't support, um, sending military troops to the Mexican border, which he does, and uh, whether to pardon uh, Trump, uh, which uh, he was, uh, you know, fully in, in, in support of and, and enthusiastic about, Um you know, and, and only one other candidate had more speaking time during the debate. Um, you know, as I mentioned, he was the most effusive defender of Trump. Um, you know, he jumped to, to stand up for, for Trump against Christie's criticisms, um, later demanded that uh, Pence promise um, to pardon Trump if he's convicted of crimes. Uh, Pence refused to make such a promise. Um, his performance, though, at least anecdotally, um, according to um, reporting by some of the national news outlets who you know, watch the debate with with primary voters, um, came off as polarizing, you know, calling climate change a hoax and aid to Ukraine disastrous. Um, you know, he was the only presidential candidate on the stage um, to raise his hand when Fox News moderators asked um, who would not keep supporting Ukraine. Um you know, Pence and, and Christie and, and occasionally others kind of tripped over themselves to mix it up with Ramaswamy. Um, you know, and, and so it seems that, you know, of kind of the two front runners that were center stage, the other candidates, you know, kind of calculated that they've got more to gain from um, attacking, I guess, the newcomer and trying to take him down a peg than um, from trying to take on DeSantis. Um, who held his own, but uh, was eclipsed by Ramaswamy as kind of the, the bright, shiny candidate in the race. Um, you know, DeSantis wasn't heard from for long stretches, and he allowed Ramaswamy, Pence, Christie, and, and even Haley to kind of steal the attention. Um, you know, the DeSantis campaign is spinning this performance as an above-the-fray victory that, you know, benefited from uh, Ramaswamy attracting the, the the bulk of the attacks that might have otherwise been directed at the Florida governor. Um, but given that, you know, DeSantis campaign um, has, you know, is in reset mode and, and, and has kind of recalibrated in recent weeks um, and, you know, saw his campaign manager replaced earlier in the month, you know, not being the focal star um, or giving a breakout performance at the first big audience event of the primary season is probably not a great outcome. Um, he also largely stuck close to his familiar stump speech. However, notably absent was any mention of the word woke, uh, which has become a staple of DeSantis stump speeches and um, his larger political brand. Um, but again, at no point during Wednesday's debate did he use that term. 
um, which, you know, again, seems notable and, and, and odd given that he's built a national reputation for himself on his efforts to, you know, to fight the, the so-called woke ideology in schools and government and the military. Um, he did, though, boast that he had eliminated gender ideology from schools and um, elevated the importance of American civics in, in Florida's education standards. And then um, I promise I'm going to wrap up quickly here. Um, Pence was aggressive. Um, you know, he embraced standing up to Trump on January 6th as kind of a heroic act to defend the Constitution. Um, again, refused to pardon Trump, um, forcefully defended the importance of arming Ukraine. Um, and he staked out the most anti-abortion rights position uh, in the debate, supporting a national 15-week ban, which Tim Scott and Issa Hutchinson also support. Um, but these issues don't really seem to be electoral winners. You know, the first three positions are unpopular with GOP primary voters. And the, the fourth, that last one, abortion, is unpopular in a general election. Um, but it seems like Trump's, or excuse me, Pence's strategy was kind of choosing conviction over politics in, in, in those areas. And that did give him an animated performance, which is something that we don't normally see kind of from the stoic Hoosier. Um, Tim Scott, despite a lot of talk about, you know, surging and being one of, uh, you know, one of the candidates kind of to, to watch during the debate, um, you know, barely got into these exchanges and didn't really create a lot of openings for himself. Um, Hutchinson got booze from the audience when he said Trump is morally disqualified from being president again as a result of the January 6th riot and that he may be disqualified under the 14th Amendment. Um, you know, he said, quote, I'm not going to support somebody who's not uh, or who's been uh, convicted of a serious felony. Um, and then just lastly, um, Doug Burgum, the North Dakota governor, was really kind of an afterthought. You forgot he was he was on the stage. Other than his leg injury. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh uh, Sarah, um, is there anything left that Tom didn't cover? So, I, I, think, so, I, think, I, I don't think there's anything left. I think Tom kind of just steamrolled uh, everyone. Well, uh, we, we, so, I, I didn't. I didn't talk about. I haven't gotten into Trump. And, and cut his mic. Cut his mic, Aaron. Cut his mic. <laughs> so, so maybe, so maybe something that was in there too, Sarah. But it, it, it. Even if Tom had already mentioned, but what jumped out to you as you watched? Yeah, so um, I was looking at the New York Times kept track of like what issues were talked about the most and who talked the most. And I thought it was just really interesting that abortion actually was the most talked about topic um, in terms of minutes. And it really exposed kind of the division among candidates. I thought that was probably the biggest difference among candidates on stage, maybe other than support for Trump in the in uh, 2020, uh, January 6, 2021. Um, so I thought it was just really interesting hearing the different candidates stake out positions. You know, um, obviously Mike Pence, Tim Scott, Asa Hutchinson endorsed the 15-week national abortion ban. Doug Burgum said it firmly that it should be left to the states. Um, and Nikki Haley, really, I think throughout the night, uh, this was one example of her staking out more of a general election uh, type position and her her saying that, you know, she's pro-life, but she just, it's not practical to support a national 15-week um, abortion ban that there's not enough votes in the Senate. Um, I think that that, she really seems to be staking out a general election um, position appealing to people trying to 
win um, against Donald Trump. But what is interesting is that in polls, especially in the Iowa poll and New York Times national polling, is that Republicans really want a candidate who is most aligned with them on the issues, not who they think can beat Joe Biden. Um, so it's just, it, I found that to be interesting that there seems, you know, there seems to be a few candidates trying to stake out this electability position that they, they can beat Joe Biden. Like Chris Christie said, you know, I'm the only Republican to win in a democratically controlled state. Um, you know, Ron DeSantis is trying to make himself out to be like a more electable version of Trump, um, though he didn't really lean into that in the debate. Uh, and so it's just it's interesting to me to see that and then see polling among likely Republican primary voters that they actually want somebody who's more aligned with them on the issues. Yeah, it, it was striking to me during the section about abortion that the kind of the lead into that was them talking about some of these recent elections where abortion has been on the ballot and it has not gone the way the Republicans had hoped. And the reason that was striking to me is because that was kind of the lead in. And then none of the candidates really addressed that particular issue in any of these state elections. They sort of just immediately pivoted to talking about what their positions are already. Yeah, yeah, and um and and it is interesting. I hadn't seen I had seen the speaking times, Sarah, but I hadn't seen the topic times. So that's interesting that abortion and January sixth were two of the uh, of the top and 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 I suppose good on Fox News uh, uh for that. I, I can I can say as someone who's sat in those seats here in Iowa anyways when you're especially in a primary what you're trying to do is draw contrast between the candidates and and that's not because it's you know you're trying to get good tv out of it or anything it's that you're trying to help voters who ultimately have to pick one of these people and so you're trying to show differences in their policy positions and we got a little bit of that in the abortion debate in january 6th i think to a lesser extent but definitely in the abortion debate it, it felt like you saw the difference yeah i guess and, sorry go ahead yeah, to, sorry, to clarify, the um, they tracked, so abortion was the top topic, and then Donald Trump was the second most talked about topic. Okay. So they didn't actually talk, like, list January 6th Parse as out. a topic, but, right, but right. that was, I mean, certainly that was a divisive topic where you can and, see the different positions. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Jared, what else? Uh, what 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 jumped off the page to you? Um, Tom kind of mentioned the stump speech stuff, and this is really more of a general observation to start with. But it can sometimes be a bit eye opening to see candidates on the stage after witnessing their uh, stump speech a time or two, <laughs> because some of them are very heavy handed in how they'll shoehorn in speech lines in a way that's easy to remember. Like, one of the most striking to me was when DeSantis was talking about the pandemic and pandemic responses, which he likes to talk about. He immediately after that said um, he would fire Anthony Fauci if he would have been president at the time, which he, again, he says that every stump speech he has. Or another one that was striking to me, because I was in the room for this one, was one of the few times Doug Burgum did to talk, which I always <laughs> feel bad for the guys on the end because like, because none of the you know candidates that are doing better in the polls want to mix it up with them even because then they just like lose time. So, right. but at one point, you know, when Burgum was talking about energy, um, just like he did with me, he said the line, uh, we'd just be trading OPEC for Sino OPEC talking about like relying more on China and he used that exact same line during the exact same conversation about energy when I when I talked to him in Sioux City. 
So it's always <laughs> fun to see those crop back up on national TV. Callbacks. You'll love to see it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose, you know, and I often use this line to intro something. It's it's easy for those of us who consume this 24 7, 365 to forget that um, and, and where I'm going in this specific cases for a lot of people a lot of people last night was the really uh, and and wednesday night i should say was really the first time they seriously tuned into this you know uh, we've been eating sleeping and drinking it um sometimes literally for those at the state fair we're <laughs> the, we're the, sickos yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and we've been doing this since january or february or whenever it really started um and for a lot of people this is just now becoming a thing um and and so, so that's a great point you raised jared about those stump speeches and it's but i'm sure the candidates have been instructed hey get those in there because you're talking to people who are hearing you for the first time todd uh what's left to talk about here what what uh what struck you well i, I guess after all this i can focus on maybe the set i mean it, it looked really <laughs> nice i thought the lecterns were, were, they, were they well lit were they well, well lit? lit yeah there's a lot of red white and blue which is good uh there were a few odd moments that i caught uh at one point I, um ramus yeah pence was uh attacking ramaswamy and he said that you know well i've got news for you vivek i've been in the hallway i've been in the west wing i wondered what that hallway was i mean he's been in the hallway i've been in hallways i think we all have been i don't know that that makes us qualified to be president but, but have we been in the hall yeah i mean i <laughs> You know, I, West Wing I got because I, you know, I watched the TV show, but <laughs> I don't think Pence ever appeared in it, though. But uh, yeah, so the hallway, uh, Ramaswamy said he wanted to send troops to the border and Ron DeSantis took it, took a little bit further. He seemed to suggest that we should invade Mexico. Yes, yeah, special forces. Yeah. And then later was asked if he misspoke and he said no. So... That'll that would be really interesting. I guess you know. I'm sure Mexico wouldn't mind if we just kind of sent some military assets into their sovereign country and you know attacked what we what we have decided are cartels and drug lords. But uh, so that was interesting. That Ramaswamy saying uh, climate change is a hoax. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to well, point out here. Uh, so I don't hear from the Ramaswamy campaign uh, Friday at noon and it's, and it's look, it's, it's, it's playing the word games, but if I saw right, he said climate change, there's a word in there. Is it policy or climate change solutions? Agenda. Agenda. The climate change agenda agenda is a hoax. So I can hear, Mm. I can just hear his campaign um, calling me and saying, he's not saying climate change is a hoax. He's saying the climate change agenda is a hoax. So he's he's concerned about climate change. He just doesn't want to do anything whatsoever about it. Or, or we're doing all the wrong things, apparently. Yeah. And, I, well, and, uh, and we're actually killing more people with our solutions than actual climate change. Maybe he'll, he maybe he'll own a company that can take all of us off the planet to a better one someday. I don't know. Put us in suspended animation. What was that movie? There was one a while back, years ago. Uh yeah, and, and his Ukraine stance, I mean, he's not saying, at least he didn't say, we're going to pull out of Ukraine. We're going we're gonna to spearhead a peace process and pull out of Ukraine. We're just going to get out of Ukraine. We're going to take our weapons and go home, and which basically would hand the country over to, over to Russia. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
I thought that was definitely one of Nikki Haley and, and Mike Pence's like strong moments was yeah. them like well, attacking um, Vivek on on that point. And Vivek seemed to also say at one point that he thought that like the Russia China partnership was a big threat, but then also <laughs> didn't want to give any more aid to to Ukraine. So well, and, yeah, I mean Haley's been in the UN she's walked the hallways there I assume which are also powerful and so <laughs> Ramaswamy has has not he he needs to start looking up these hallways apparently but he was he was the center of attention though and 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 I'm not you know I'm sure there there were Republicans that saw him that really like what he has to say but he I can't see a general election electorate if he were to some by some miracle become the nominee would would warm up to to that stuff yeah, the thing with Vivek, uh, excuse me, Vivek, is that um, <laughs> that was another thing that, that that came out during the spin with uh, in the spin room with Sean Hannity is how to pronounce his name. But anyway, um, the other thing that that stood out to me about that is, you know, it, it, he seemed like he was trying to come off as uh, more Trump than Trump, right? I mean, mm. his his appeal is to you know the mega crowd, um, you know that Trump. Uh, base of, of of supporters, but if you support Trump, I don't know that you're necessarily going to support Vivek, right? Un- unless uh, unless Trump isn't unless the nominee, is. right? Right. Well, unless he's, he's not for what for other reasons, I suppose is the yeah. calculation. He's, he's never fired anybody on television, so that's a that's a <laughs> downside. And so, but with um, I mean, he's like I say, general election. I mean, his campaign slogan should be like off the wall and into the white house. I mean, the stuff that he's, that he's, you know, professing is really something. With, um, with Vivek, one of the things that, and it was kind of small compared to some of the other stuff that ended up trending with him that I thought really elucidated the, especially the generational divide, not just in the Republican party, but I think in broader society in America, in some respects, is when he was going after Mike Pence for having a much sunnier disposition about America and how like America is doing and everything like that. Because, you know, I don't think it's unfair to say that people in younger generations aren't necessarily as hopeful as previous generations have been, regardless of what party you're in. And Mm -hmm. it's smart to talk about that, even if he's talking about it in ways that are, you know, Trumpy or alienating some people, it's smart to at least be talking about that kind of divide like that, because you're gonna have to rely on those voters at some point. Yeah, well, and I mean, that, that, you know, similarly, you talk about the Ukraine stuff that that way, right? Like, the, especially within the Republican primary, I mean, he, he got, you know, beat up a little bit and attacked, uh, as, as we've noted by Pence and, and Haley uh, on the topic, and, and they probably fairly um, called out uh, why his um, why Vivek position on that might be dangerous, uh, thinking globally. But the fact of the matter is, it's a popular position within the Republican uh, primary electorate, um, and 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 so that 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 whole topic in general just continues to be fascinating for me. And 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 we saw that play out again Wednesday night. Tom um, mentioned Tim Scott not getting a lot of shine. And this was one of my notes that just kind of made me laugh. When they were talking about um, climate change and everybody was just kind of piling on top of each other, you could hear a muffled Tim Scott just saying, this deserves. And then whatever he was trying to say after that just got cut off by all the crosstalk. Yeah. And, and I mean, 
this is similar to something I heard on the radio last night when I was listening to, and I forget what the you know network I was on at that moment, and 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 a kind of a similar panel discussion about what they just seen, and I feel like it's happening now here with us too. Uh, speaking of Tim Scott, is we haven't been speaking to Tim Scott, which is you know maybe maybe trouble for a guy who's uh and, and look I've I've been thinking about saying this on the podcast for a couple of weeks now and and the moment hasn't. Uh, risen that I think about it while we're actually talking. Uh, so maybe this is the right time. I, Tim Scott's been sitting on a when will he start to take off moment in Iowa for a long time now. And I feel like the clock eventually runs out on those. Like, that's, it's a uh, Klobuchar for 2024. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a great example. I mean, at some point that opportunity goes away, you know, that, that that's not an open, a door that stays open forever. And um, I, I, I think it's fair to say, uh, and I will see, you know, when we go out to events now, we'll talk to people um, in voters who will tell us. But in the meantime, I think it's fair to say that Tim Scott didn't do anything on that big stage um, last night to, to, to help propel himself forward um, and out of that pack that everybody keeps waiting to see if he can do. Um, so that was, uh, I thought, kind of a something that i took out of that as well so i've got one one question i want to throw to the group so based off of what you what is you this saw a raise last, your hand question or it's not it? a, no no, okay. it's not a, no i hate i hate those to be honest but i know what they, i know what they're doing but not a big fan of that you can no. start twirling your hand around like christy did when during one of the hand raises uh, so okay, based off of what you saw last night, do you think Trump made the right decision to skip the debate? I mean, in in, in, in my opinion, it kind of looked like an undercard debate, and like not having a prize fighter on the stage maybe took down the temperature a little bit, maybe made it a little less attractive. Yeah, of a debate. I mean, I certainly don't know how you argue that it hurt him. So, well, and, Sarah, and he... what did did you say that Trump was the second uh, most talked about topic? <laughs> Right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, why even show up if you're going to be the second most talked about thing anyway? <laughs> if you're not even I'm there. I'm going to be honest for personal, just like I want to see Mike Pence on a stage with Donald Trump and yeah. like try to Without say those things he did about like January 6th. Like I would just, I think that would just be really interesting for voters to see him like actually stand up to Trump in person. Cause you know, I thought he got some cheers, you know, when he said, talked about how he stood up to Trump in the constitution, but um, you know, I, I would really be interested to see what he would say if Trump was actually in the room and, and how Trump would respond. That yeah, doesn't but, answer your question. I do think no, that... no, but you're right. <laughs> I, I agree. That would be fascinating, but I don't, you know, look, I mean, does anybody, at the very least, it, it certainly didn't hurt him. I, I don't know whether it helped him or not, but he doesn't need help. He's winning by 20 some points. Um, he just has to not crater at this point. And I, I, I don't know how you can argue. And, and look, that's, this is not an advocacy point for doing this. And, and I worry that this time and more and more time goes on, um, more and more candidates will choose this route, especially uh, front running candidates. Um uh, we'll look at this and say, hey, if it's not going to hurt, then why the heck would I bother putting myself out there? Uh, or if it's not going to help and it's and it's not going to hurt me. So, um, yeah, I mean, does, does anybody else have anything to add to that? But I I, I didn't see any reason why he should have. What what could possibly hurt him? Well, that's true, too, at this point. We <laughs> talked mean, about skip that a debate, last, come to a debate, last week, right? Yeah. You know, commit felonies, try to steal an election. I mean, it's I mean, at this point. It was probably be better for him to do it because you're right. It did, it did look like an undercard sort of debate with the 
with the heavyweight contender off in the sidelines. But yeah, I think eventually he's probably going to have to participate in some of this. Maybe maybe some candidates will drop out. Uh, and or if if one of the states doesn't go as expected, then maybe he right. can start. Yeah, right. On. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just. I don't know if this moves any needles and all the needles are looking like it's going to be Trump by a long ways. And I don't think that changed. Speaking of uh, also in first this week, we got our first Iowa poll of the caucus season. Um, Now let me clarify here. That's technically the Des Moines register NBC news Mediacom Iowa poll. (laughs) Uh, My word counts. Thank you for that new partnership register. Uh, Are you all going to add a fourth sponsor next year? I tell you, next time I see Brianne Fon and Steele and or Vaughn Hilliard, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Casey's uh, Breakfast <laughs> Pizza will be the, oh, yeah, the, right? the, the NBC News <laughs> Mediacom Casey's Breakfast Pizza poll. And by the way, in case that doesn't, I always got a caveat that in case it doesn't come through that sarcasm, I think the world of both Brianne and Vaughn. So uh, don't get me in trouble with those two. I love them both. Okay, so the poll, and this probably isn't the best way to, tease a discussion and get the listeners on the edge of their seats. Uh, But I don't think we saw anything too surprising in that new Iowa poll that was released uh, Saturday night, right? Do I remember that right? Um, Over the weekend, whenever it was. Trump was the top choice of 42% and a full 23 percentage points back was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis at 19%. No other candidate was in double digits. So pretty much in line with what we've been seeing in in national polls, um, uh, maybe a little less support for Trump than national, but close. Um, So you heard heard me say that doesn't appear to be anything surprising. Um, Does anyone on our esteemed panel here disagree? Is there anything in the crosstabs maybe that stands out that I missed? Uh, uh, Let's go around the horn again. And again, uh, to foster a better discussion, not out of laziness or being rushed. Uh, we'll go in reverse order this time. Since you had to finish, Todd, you get to go first this time. Were you pretty uneventful Iowa poll? Anything worth well, highlighting? I suppose it's a little bit surprising that DeSantis hasn't really gained much ground. He's been in the upper teens, I guess, since polling started. Um, and he's spent a lot of time here. He's he's had a lot of events. Uh, he's, you know, given speeches and went to the fair and all those things you're supposed to do when you're a candidate it doesn't seem to be breaking through for him um and and, and you know it, it it seems like with every indictment trump solidifies his 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 base of support which is twisted but um i think that's kind of the story is that republicans a lot of iowa republicans still support trump no matter what some are willing to look at other candidates I mean, I don't know if you added up all the other candidates. They, it's probably more than forty-three percent, isn't it? Oh, that's a good question. I would have to. to I don't do have that the numbers before. in front of me. But I mean, it would have to be right. Yeah, because it's yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, what's the undecided? I don't. Unless think. the undecided was was too yeah. big. Um, because, I'll do that as you keep talking here. Talk. I mean, that's. I mean, because you know that shows that there is discontent with nominating Trump again, and people are willing to to look at other candidates. And also I think the, the polls, I thought the poll said that a sizable number of Trump supporters are still willing to consider other candidates. So it's, it's a fairly solid lead, but I mean, you know, anything can happen and with Trump, anything does happen. So who yeah. knows? Um, so that one I do have um, of the, of the people who picked Trump in this Iowa poll, two thirds of them said that's locked in. 
So a third said they'd consider someone else. The problem is it's exactly the opposite for DeSantis. Only uh, 31% said they're locked into him. So a full two-thirds who said Ron DeSantis are still also willing to send pick someone else. So so that's 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 the the troubling sign in there. Um, Jared, uh, continue in inverse order. Anything in that Iowa poll uh, that you found interesting? Um, looking at the unfavorables for uh, for Chris Christie, it's clear why he's not even bothered bothering <laughs> the campaign in Iowa. Um, I think it was like above sixty percent unfavorable for yeah. for Christie. And, um, you know, Pence being the only other one with an unfavorable number above 50 is not great for his chances in Iowa either. And I, I think I talked about it when I covered him here in Sioux City. That number isn't surprising because the crowds don't seem to be with him when he campaigns um, around the state. Mm-hmm. I mean, parts of the crowd are, but I've never seen a candidate get that much pushback from his own crowd as he got um, when he was here in Sioux City. Um, and then... It was interesting to me that um, Trump's unfavorable number is higher than DeSantis's, but his number for very favorable is like 20 points higher than DeSantis, which, you know, that number sort of seems to be the story of the entire race. Uh, If you have a good enough share of people with a very favorable view of you, you're going to be hard to beat, especially in a field of 12 people or however many we want to say are uh, technically running. Yep. Uh, Sarah, how about you? Anything jump out to you in the new Iowa poll? Yeah, I uh, I thought it was interesting that most um, Iowa Republicans want somebody who uh, lines with them on the issues rather than somebody who's going to be Biden. And I'm just curious, like, why that is. Like, why do, like, in, in, in 2020, for Democrats, it was the opposite. People thought Donald Trump was the threat and wanted to, wanted anybody who could beat him. And that was, like, their main, a big priority for them. So, I don't know. It just, it's, I don't know if it's like Biden, obviously the Republicans like talk a lot about Biden's age. And so I don't know if they, if like a lot of um, Republican caucus scores think that, oh, you know, Biden's probably easy to beat. um, And therefore, or, you know, I don't, I don't know. It just, with how much Republican candidates talk about how Biden is a threat to America and wanting to get America back on track. I just, I found it interesting that, um, people, re- likely Republican caucus goers, want somebody who lines with them on the issues. Yeah, and and I'm glad you brought that back up because honestly, that that feels a little bit at odds with how the sense I get when I talk to Republicans at events too. Like it, it doesn't, you know, they have their issues that they want to hear candidates talk about, but I feel like on most of those issues they bring up, like whether it's immigration. Um, or, or immigration and border security or education that that most of the candidates are are pretty close on so so it surprises me too a little bit to hear that that's um number one uh by the way real quick todd and uh god help me um if someone fact checks me i apologize in advance because it's a journalist doing quick math but uh if you exclude the none of these are not sures all the other candidates it just in the first choice column add up to 52 percent and 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 donald trump at 42 percent so um if they um let's okay. see what what was the vakes was only four in this poll so if everybody uh else and 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 you don't even need the Vivek uh, supporters because um, he's kind of running in the trump lane so to speak if everybody literally everybody else coalesces there's enough of them to to overtake donald trump 
but there's not much room for error. Well, they I guess they need scientists to join them together as some sort of super <laughs> android candidate. <laughs> like Voltron. We we have the Republican. we have the technology. <laughs> All right, Tom, uh how about you? What'd you see in the Iowa poll that looked interesting? Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> He used it all up on the debate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I mean, well, I mean, and, and as you mentioned, I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot in yeah, the poll no. that, that was that was surprising. And I think that everyone pretty much hit hit all the highlights. I, I don't really have anything else to add, unfortunately. No, no, no. That's I mean, I mean, that's literally how I set this up, right? That nothing was too uh, terribly shocking in there. Um Numbers uh, wise, Perry Johnson is looking pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Uh yeah, he was a zero uh on the first choice and a one on the second choice. Uh I think maybe the um um uh avenue you saw, Todd, that you were looking for. Uh so one of the interesting things that Ann Seltzer does with especially with this first uh Iowa poll of a caucus season is ask people for their first and second choice and who they're actively considering. And then as one way of, of seeing what um, caucus goers are, or are you know, kind of the universe of possibilities then adds those all up. So when you did that, when you added up people's first, second and actively considering tallies, it is a little closer with Donald Trump uh, at 63 and Ron DeSantis at 61. So that, that maybe shows the, and and Tim Scott at fifty three in that, so he's he's on you know Ron DeSantis and Tim Scott are on a lot of people's radars right now. That's what that shows that they're in the running for for people. It's just they're they're not taking over that first choice uh, category yet. Which obviously at the end of the day on January fifteenth is the only one that counts. You don't you don't get bonus points in the caucuses for being someone's second choice. So uh, that's the one that has to change if, if this race is going to change at all. All right. Great stuff. Uh, so a couple big things and some great discussion, uh, but that'll do it for this edition of on Iowa politics. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did tell your friends and subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. And now that you've listened to the on Iowa politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the on Iowa politics newsletter where every morning in your inbox, you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. You can subscribe to that free newsletter at the Gazette's website, thegazette.com. And lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Muscatine Journal, Cedar Rapids Gazette, Waterloo City Falls Courier, Mesa City Globe Gazette, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Sioux City Journal. Kelly Party Cooper will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. For Tom Barton, Sarah Watson, Jared McNett, Todd Dorman, and our producer, Stephen Colbert, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thank you all for listening. Let my country home, I left the fields and plains. Feel the desert wind, escape the rain. She saw me coming from a thousand miles away. She took my hand as my name. Let me to a house 
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.